0: Company of One, episode number 76. Welcome to the Company of One podcast featuring Dale Callahan, dedicated to helping you find freedom in life and with your career. Learn how to not only increase your income, but take control of the income you acquire. Let's ignite that inner entrepreneur in you. Now, welcoming your host Dale Callahan. You have trouble leading. You know, as I'm running into people all over the place that they're in leadership positions, maybe, or they're in positions that they um, that they have been given leadership, but they don't necessarily have everything that they need. I know when I got um. When I came into the university position, um, and but that's a longer story about how that all happened, but when I came in, our current dean at the time was telling me we'd created this new master's degree program, that, and he had, um, and it was going to really change the game. Uh, all that was fairly accurate, but one thing he said to me is, "Dell, I'll be right there with you. We are going to go together. We're going to do these kind of things. Uh, and we're going to, we're going to go make this happen. And then about a month into it, he he says, calls me up and says, hey, you know, I just wanted to let you know that I'm leaving. I'm going back uh, to Texas and it's going to happen pretty much immediately. Uh, you know, and it was, it was just this interesting conversation because he said, well, you know, basically you're still in charge. Don't worry about it. You're in charge. You have no people. You have no money. You have no control but, hey, you are in charge. You know, so, so as I'm looking at this graduate program that we started, uh, which, you know, has been very successful, but that's where it began is pretty much um, with nothing. You start with nothing. And as I run into so many people in leadership positions, now, when I say leadership, I don't necessarily mean you've been given a title of a leader, but you've got to lead a project, you've got to lead something going on. And you don't have any control. Now, I was just speaking about this exact thing to a group of CIOs um, from um, the primarily the public education system, uh, and and they're in that unique position. They got a great title. They sound very important. But usually they have no money, no control, and no people, and that's where they start. Some of them are more fortunate maybe to have some of that, but, you know, not much. As I'm looking at you and I, that we're leading things, that's where we are. So how do you deal with that? How do you deal with leading with what you've got, leading with what you've got? Because all of us are in leadership positions, and all of us are finding ourselves where we're kind of stuck in that situation where we've got to make something happen, and we don't have enough resources to do it. And guess what? We're never going to have enough resources. Pretty much the message, this is the message that uh, my dean left me with, is all you have to do is create something out of nothing and get others to agree with you and follow you. Simple, right? And uh, that's the message. That's so often the message uh, as we're given new projects or as we're told, you know, it's, it's not a job, it's a new opportunity you know and and they can turn out to be great great opportunities. Uh, so this is this is the good and the bad and the ugly. Here's the uh, just think about the good and the bad of this though yeah, well let me let me think about the bad first is you have no people no money and uh, sometimes you you don't even have a vision and how many of you sitting in your job today, whether you're self-employed, you work for yourself, whether you work for somebody else, or you know, you're know you working for a large organization maybe even, it really doesn't matter. Even I mean, if I'm with a government entity, it doesn't matter that many of you have no vision of where you are going. And many of the people that you look to for leadership have no vision of where you are going, where your job's going, where your position's going, where your department's going, where your division's going, where your company's going. And, and what vision they do have is often oftentimes uh, kind of weak uh, it, it's uh, it, it's missing points or maybe it doesn't even apply to you you know and uh, I'm, I'm somewhat in that situation you know at the university that a lot of the vision out there doesn't or where all the energy is doesn't apply to me. Uh, now there's there's some good reasons for that so but but this is the that's the bad. Now the good part of this and being in this situation, if you find yourself there that you're trying to lead something and you don't have anybody or anything or any resources really or you're limited in what you have, this is where entrepreneurs live. If you think about an entrepreneurial effort and you don't have to be out there going on your own, you can be in a large organization being an entrepreneur, but if you are um, if you are stuck in the situation Where you are trying to lead and you are trying to make things happen but you don't have enough resources. You have to become very creative and very selective and you have to make it happen anyway. This is the world of the entrepreneur. And that's the, that's the fortunate side. And, and, and the other fortunate part about that is oftentimes there's less restrictions. If, you, if I give you a job and put you in a leadership position and you've got all the money and you've got all the people and you've got all the resources, you probably also have lots of restrictions. Lots of it can't be done. So let's talk through some of this. You'll find the show notes for this uh, at dalecallahan.com slash 76. This is episode number 76. I kind of just want to give you three points to get you started if you are stuck in this situation. I don't care if you just got the job or if you've been in it six or seven years that you are stuck in this situation. Even if you are trying to start your own company, much of this makes sense. So let's start with getting a perspective and then forming a community and then developing and sharing a vision. So first of all, you need to get perspective. Now, I was speaking to CIOs, um, and, uh, and it was interesting because many of the CIOs have been given their position that uh, they've either come from teaching backgrounds, or the, and so they're moving into leadership and technology leadership positions, and sometimes it's just because they were the person that was willing to do it or they knew more than anybody else. Uh, but sometimes it's an issue of uh, networking. I mean, it's an issue of they came from industry and they're coming into academia in the K-12 through 12 market. You know, the uh, and, and the way things happen in industry and the way things happen there are just wildly different. So uh, you have to try to get perspective. Now, I know there's a uh, good friends of our family. Um, uh, they had a son that had, had graduated university. He he had left the University of Alabama. I believe it was University of Alabama. And he had a degree, came home. Dad says, you know, Dad, who's, who's a friend of ours, says, uh, what are you going to do, son? And the son says, well, Dad, I like to play around with chainsaws and motorcycles, you know, and uh, and, and let's be fair. This is the story given to me by the dad. So uh, the uh, I haven't really asked the son this question. But, you know, it, but you think about that and you think about if your son or daughter comes home from the university and they are uh, wanting to do that, you know, I, I've got a degree, you want to play around with chainsaws or motorcycles, you know, go get a job, kid. Uh, but no, but but Dave, Dave, who's the dad here, and I won't give too many details here, since this is a podcast and I don't have his permission, but Dave goes off and says, okay, son, what do you want to do? And he's, you know, how are we going to make that work for you? And they, they decide that maybe the thing to do is to get into a tool rental business because that would have him kind of doing what he likes to do. So they got into the tool rental business and, but, but, You know, the son looks at his dad and says, well, dad, I don't know anything about the tool rental business. And dad says, well, I I don't really know anything about it either. So what they do is they, they pick up the phone or the Yellow Pages or whatever it was at the time, and they contact somebody that was in such business that was very successful and that they did not even know and uh and, and i remember dave telling me this i think we were in his den and he was telling me the story and and um he was like you know i just picked up the phone and found somebody that's very successful in another state so i would not have a competitor and uh and and when i when i did that i went out and just contacted the guy cold called him and said hey you know you don't know me i'm 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 Dave, and and uh, here I am. I'm trying to go out, and my son wants to start a tool rental business. I see you're very, very successful. Let's, you know, can we come over, buy you coffee, have dinner, chat with you? And so they have a conversation for a little while, and the guy says, "Well, forget all that. Why don't you just send your son over here for two weeks, and I will show him everything. He can stay with me. I will feed him. I will take care of him. All of those kind of things." So, pow! Now that. Now, I say all that because that is very important because this is what we call networking. And as you well know, I'm very big into networking with the right people, not just networking for the sake of networking, but networking with the right people. And this is what he was doing. He was like, we don't know anything about this business, but this seems like it's possibly a good fit for you. Let's go find somebody who's done it and done it very, very well and go talk to them. Now, let me just put that in perspective for a minute. Think about it now four years of education at a university with a degree in business versus two weeks with a guy who's an expert. Which one of those do you think is a better education? I'll just let you ponder that, especially those of you that are sending your kids off to college. Uh, But, you know, that's, I mean, I'm in a university, but we don't, as I tell people all the time, we do not own education. We just market education. So, but your job in getting perspective part of that is to get education does that right make sense for you to become educated in what the people who are already experts already know and when i'm talking to the cios of school systems who are new to it you know and and i'm telling them and, and i think many of other people had told them too is is you need to go connect with those people who are 15 years ahead of you who have already fought the battles that you're fighting, who have already discovered the things that you're trying to discover, who have already made the mistakes that you are about to make, who started with no money, no people, no resources, no influence, and now have people budget, influence, resources, and vision. So. You gotta start there as a leader. So I don't care if you're a leader and you and you're doing this with your own little company and your own little startup. Go get perspective from people. If you're go if you're inside of a large company and you've been given a, a, a job or a responsibility and you have maybe you've been doing it for years and you're just like, I just this is this needs to get better legs under it. Go get perspective. Find some people to talk to, to listen to, to ask questions of to get perspective. But in doing this, the thing you want to make sure you don't do is you don't want to talk to the whiners and the naysayers. Because, and this is is probably, you know, I, I could say this is probably true in large organizations, but it's true anywhere. The naysayers, the whiners, and I know when I talk to CIOs of school systems, that they're there and they will say things like I have no budget you know and I never can get any budget I can't ever get people to listen to me I can't I can't I can't they want, not wham 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 you know they're, they're just whining and they're naysaying and they're and you know and, and it, they're negative negative. and um, you're, you, you can't totally avoid those people but you want to be careful not to take counsel from these people this is somewhat what we would say, taking counsel from my fears. Don't take counsel from your fears. I believe that's a quote from one of our former presidents. But So you want to get perspectives. Um, so that's the first thing is, is a networking perspective. The second way to get perspective, though, is create some time to think. Now, again, you are a leader. Now, many of you are, are, are being blasted with stuff to do. And, and as people say, it's like putting out a fire all day long. All I am is a fireman. Uh, I'm going to talk about that in a future episode because that came up uh, when we were talking to the CIOs. And they were like, well, how do you deal with that? How do you deal with putting out fires every day? You can't do anything, So we started talking about strategies about how to get back control. We're not going to do that right now. But one of the things that you do want to do that is part of the strategy is you want to create time to think and plan. As a leader, you are called on to think and plan. Now, I mean think. Now, let me just be clear with you. I am under the belief, I'm actually fairly certain, we don't teach people to think. We don't even expect them to think. In our K-12 through 12 and college and university years and even on the job often, we don't ask people to think. We just ask them to follow directions. Now, I could go off on that for hours, and you may disagree with me, but, um, but clearly I think I'm right. We're not, we're not creating very many leaders in that leaders find their way anyway because they think, they they step apart, and they think, they lead. You see, if you're just teaching people to follow, which is what we generally are doing in our society, and I don't care if you're not in the United States, if you're in Europe, or if you're in another country, that's kind of the education system that we've created because so many people are following the American education system that we just teach people to follow directions. Uh, And by the way, the United States isn't the owner of that education system, but we do it. Other people have done it, uh, and there's reasons for it. Again, I'm not going to get off on that too much, but the problem is you are a leader. You need time to think. Now, I don't care if you're just a parent. You know, parents need time to think, to plan meals maybe, to plan for what their kids are going to do for the next year in school, to plan for events. How do we deal with Johnny who wants to do karate and basketball and art and and, and then his sister has all the activities. We don't have enough time as parents to do this. We need time to think. That's a leadership decision too. But just as well if I'm inside of a large organization, I need time to think, to process. Here's all the stuff coming at me. How do I think about it? How do I lead? If I'm in a small company, same problems, right? I mean, you, you need time to think. Now, one thing that I do um, is is I carved out Friday morning, and, and this is part of from my mastermind group we'll get to in a minute, but Friday morning I carved out two hours, which I just go and I just think I get away from anybody um, I don't really get away from people because I'm usually at a coffee shop or something. But I'm away from the normal things. I turn off the email. I turn off the phone. And I, I open. I get white piece of paper. And I just think. I get um, mind maps. You know, maybe with a computer open. And I think. And I just process. It, you know, there, there's no magic to it. There's not really. But, you know, I'm writing down things I need to do. Things I want to do. Looking back maybe at what I said last week. Uh, you know, and, and it's, it's great. Now, I know some friends of mine, they do this kind of every night. They, they think. they um, Jackie Ulmer, uh, she was telling me that and she's a, a network marketing guru, and she was telling me every night that she writes down in a book 10 things she wants to do, nothing magical. She just writes it down before she goes to bed. The next night, she writes down 10 things she wants to do before she goes to bed. And then every now and then, maybe every week, she goes back and looks at those, and she's looking for patterns. Just and she's letting her mind wander. And and what she's doing is she's seeing what's really on top of her mind. Um, So you need to get perspective from networking with other people who are pros and who are experts. And you need time to think. So that's the first thing. As a leader, whether you're a new leader or an existing leader or you've already had a leadership position, you need to step away and get perspective. Step away and talk to people outside your normal circle. Step away and think. The second thing you want to do, and this could be part of the same thing, is develop community. Connect with others who are living in your situation. I mean, that's really all we're talking about. Connect with other people who are living in your situation. Forming a mastermind group, I think, is an awesome way to do that. I mean, it, when I'm looking at the CIOs from school systems, and I'm, I was just telling them, I said, you know okay and first of all they're they're mostly in counties or in districts uh so i was asking these groups you know how many people do you talk to how frequently do you meet with the other cios and the answer was never or annually when we come to this conference well annually is great but do you have a group of cios who are living in your same situation in your state in your country, it doesn't really matter. That have similar problems but different situations. No, overwhelmingly, no, 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 no. We don't have this. And so I'm talking to people in these audiences from uh, six years of experience in this job to you know brand new at this job. They're not, they're not connecting. They have no community. Now I'm just telling you, uh, and they'll, I'll put link here in the show notes to Jonathan Milligan. Uh, who's in my mastermind group, but a mastermind group is powerful. Now, it takes a commitment. It's not a trivial thing uh, to, to be part of a mastermind group, but it's powerful that you just carve out some time and you just connect, listen, process, think about, talk to, ask for advice. And it's not going to be all magical time, but it's very, very powerful. It's awesome that what it does for me, I, and I know the uh, the people that are in my mastermind group. You know, it's awesome. They, I know what they get out of it, and it's not because of me, and it's not because of one other person, but it's because of the group of people collectively working together, thinking through each other's problems, caring about each other's issues, and we're to the point now we we communicate daily. Uh, and so we communicate just constantly on what's going on using different tools now we but we meet once a week now is that a commitment yes it's once a week for one hour it's a big commitment it doesn't sound that big but you know if you're the if you've got that job putting out fires that's a big commitment but it pays off royally it's it's huge so you need to connect you however you do it if you are leading something Getting perspective, developing a community. Now, the other thing that you've got to do as a leader is you've got to develop and share a vision. Now, this is this can be very different depending on what kind of job you're doing, what kind of thing you're leading. And by the way, this the kind of same kind of things I'm talking about, even volunteer assignments, you know, people doing stuff with churches or volunteer organizations. The same stuff you're leading. As a leader, how do you develop and share a vision? You know, and one of the first things I like to find out is who are my customers? Who are the people that are being served by what I am doing? So if I am a CIO of a school system, you know, I've got parents and teachers. I've got school administrators. I've got a school board. Uh, and, I, you know, there may be other people there that I haven't thought of. But So it's a very complicated relationship. They all don't need the same things and want the same things from you. They have different constraints. Um, but I, if I'm inside of a corporate entity and I have a position I probably have co-workers, I have other departments, other divisions, my boss, my boss's boss, and I and and maybe I'm having some direct interaction with the customers of my company also. So, you know, again, I have multiple customers. If I, I am in my own organization, if I've started my own company, I have my customers I'm serving, but I also may be serving my spouse, maybe serving my children, maybe serving those kind of things through the efforts to make money. So you've got to find out who your customers are. Now, this is the most critical thing we do in our graduate program. It's just awesome. I mean, we change the game dramatically in um in, in people's careers. And I'll I will share some testimonies with you. I'll, I'll share some links to them. Um, hopefully in this and the show notes, but we've changed people's careers just by this one thing alone. Go talk to your customers. Document their pains and desires. What is it they care about? What is it they wish they were doing? Stay positive. Don't get negative. Just listen. Ask questions. Don't defend yourself. Just ask. And what you're looking for is for feedback because it's shocking how few of you know what your customers, what your boss, what your coworkers expect of you. I will guarantee you that if you just go and talk to them and you get very specific, not just, well, we want you to show up on time and do a good job. No, no, no. You've got to get specific. Make a list of things. Here's the, here's the 20 things I think. I, I give you this report every week, and this report is detailed about ourselves last week. And then I'm, then I then I go with you. I I attend these meetings for you, and I represent you at these meetings. And here's what I'm doing: I'm just really listening. I'm not saying anything, but I'm just listening and bringing back notes. I'm sending you a summary email of what I do every week. You know, and what I'm talking about is you making a list of what you do for your customers. Because as a leader, you are you are yes you are leading, but you are also serving and being led by others, and so you got this very weird dynamic. And the best way for you to lead the people, because you're not just leading people who work for you, you're leading people who are over you, you're leading people who are beside you. When we talk of leadership, it's not a title or a position, and it's not vertical leadership. It's leadership all over. It's like a pebble thrown in the water. It, it goes in all direction. Leadership goes in every single direction. So you have to get input and feedback and get very specific because here's what you will learn as you talk to your customers. You will learn some things that you think they care about they don't actually care about. You will learn some things that you don't think that are important they think are very important guaranteed. I guarantee you, if you take that activity, you will change your perspective on what you do. I know, I know in one of our companies that we sell products and we have vendors who sell, who, who sell our products. Every year I pick up the phone and I make a phone call to our vendors and I just ask them one simple question. Hey, how are you doing? How are we doing? How are we doing? How are we serving you? Now, usually it's trivial. It's, you know, stuff like, well, it's, you know, it's it's going good. Sometimes I learn about things that have gone wrong, and there's been some real eye-openers there. Uh, But one of the amazing things that happened uh, one time is that one of the vendors, and this is a big vendor who buys stuff through people all over, and he said to me, you know, Dale, you are the only one who ever calls us and asks this question. Wow. Wow, that's just amazing that I'm the only company he deals with that asks, "How are we doing? How are we serving you?" And and amazing things always come out because we talk about where the pitfalls are. He'll say, "You know, we're looking for, you know, we we end up with a conversation. You know, this is this is what you want to be doing. You you're ending up in with a conversation of, "Man, this is our pain point." And I I always ask them, "What are your big challenges?" And they'll say, you know, we wish somebody was selling this product. So I learn about new products and services that they wish they had that they haven't really figured out yet. Awesome. I learn about new opportunities to serve them. Awesome. I challenge you. I, people tell me all the time, Dale, well, I already do this. I do this with my people daily. No, you don't. You may talk to them. But I mean getting downright hardcore serious, putting a sheet of paper in front of them and say, boss, here's the 20 things I do for you every week, every month, whatever they are, every day, what's important and what's not. And having that conversation, what's most important. If you had to pick three things that were most important on this list, what would they be? And that can be eye opening because so often I'm finding when people do this exercise in our in our IEM program our graduate program, they will come back and say, "You know what I thought was most important was least important, and there's some things that I was doing that I thought was important that my boss didn't even know I was doing and didn't quite frankly care about so you just want to go out. Now what you're doing here is you're you're doing research because I said develop and share a vision, but you're you're doing research trying to understand the needs of your customers. When you're leading, you are expected to have a vision. And the best way to get a, I mean I can go out and just create a vision. Here's where we're going and try to lead my boss, my coworkers, my team and all this kind of stuff. I can do that? But if I haven't gotten any but everyone's input, if I don't understand what's important, then it's, it's an empty vision. Does that makes sense? It, it, it really is not going anywhere. I've got to have some perspective for leading. Now, off of this, now I've got to be able to share the vision. You know once you get some input you you know eventually when you're leading, people are going to ask you what's the future of this look like? What's the future of your job look like? What are you thinking about doing in the future? They're going to ask a question like that. they're probably asking of it of you now, and you know they may not use those words, but they're asking about future projections, what do you think and they may not even be asking what you think, but they might just be. Uh, but, but they are that, whether they use those words or not, what you want to do is now that you gather input, you want to go back and, and, and tell a story addressing their pains. You understand? Because think about the CIOs, uh, of, uh, of, of the school systems. And I say this is because this is a relatively complex thing, but when they say, here's our vision, um, Here's what we need to do. Here's how it addresses a teacher's... Now, they may not say these words, but here's how it addresses the teacher's concerns, the administrator's concerns, the budget concerns, the parents' concerns, the student concerns. They're going to talk about a story and how they are leading up to that. And we have to address the pains. Now I, I'm going to pick on this from an IT infrastructure in particular, because when we talk about IT infrastructure, you know, people like to talk about, and especially in school systems, they like to talk about end devices. They like to talk about iPads and, and notebooks and surfaces and you know iPhones and those kind of things as being tools to use in the classroom. But as, as, so that's their pain point. But so if a CIO comes in and talks about infrastructure, they don't care. But if I start talking in terms of what they care about, they care about end devices. That leads me into talking about infrastructure, which is the big picture you know about. Now, I don't know if you know anything about IT, but I think you understand. You can't have millions of devices out there with no network to connect them to, and that's essentially what a lot of these CIOs struggle with. Yeah, We do this. I mean, when we do our graduate program, we've had this experience where we just ask people what do they care about, they care about a couple of things. They care about flexibility. They care about flexibility. Um, they want us to be able to deliver content to them because these are working people. that come into our graduate program. They are working people. They have many of them have families, of course, therefore they have basketball games and you know, so on and so forth. So they want flexibility. And so that's the one thing we've heard from them over and over and over again. Then they want, um, the second thing they've, they've wanted as we've talked to them is they want real world. You know, they don't, they, these are real people. They're not, they're people who are professionals. They know that textbooks are irrelevant. Nobody out in the real world grabs a textbook to solve a problem or or learn something. What we Textbooks are what we use in school trying to package knowledge up. Um, And whether that's fair or not, I I don't think it is, but, you know, that's what we do. So they want real world. They want real world experience. They want people teaching them who actually know what the heck they're talking about instead of somebody who's been in academia all their life and never worked in the real world. They want people that are real world faculty. That's, you know, fair enough. You know, coming into a graduate program for executives, uh, that's kind of what they want. Yeah, the, the other thing they want and, and I and I remember this came through um, I'm I'm having kind of a conversation with some people. I think we were having lunch and this guy tells me, this was early in into the per and when we did this graduate program, he says, Hey man, what do you you know, you call me a student, man, I'm really your customer. And he's being kind of silly and tongue in cheek and kind of being fun with me, you know, and he's like, Man, I'm paying the bill here and and therefore I'm your customer you know and he was being serious but he, you know he wasn't really attacking me he was just kind of having this conversation cuz but you know we thought about that and we started listening and to talking to people and you know that's he was fair in his assumption he is paying dad gummit he's paying for education he's the customer now as we looked at it he's not really the customer in the sense of what we normally think of as a customer he's more of a client because you know, we're kind of a consulting arrangement. when you when you educate, when you when you uh, do consulting, you know you look at client relationships. So as we started talking to our clients, we found that that's one thing they wanted. They didn't really want us to come in with a curriculum that said, here's a here's a curriculum and, and we're going to take all of you people from your various backgrounds and ram you through this curriculum and make you all look alike when you come out the un, other end, which is what an undergraduate program does, right? You know, we take all these people in, and they all come out accountants, or they all come out engineers, or they all come out nurses, or whatever it is. They all come out alike. What they were telling us is, we don't want to come out alike. We have our experiences and our expertise. We're past that. We want a program that's not focused on curriculum, but that's focused on us as the clients. Okay, so they've told us, Now they've told us some other things too, but those three key things: flexibility, real world. Client focused. So now when I go in and out and I talk about this program, I'm like, you know, here we are. We have three key things we focus on. We focus on clients first. We're client centric, client focused. We're the ultimate in flexibility. We deliver content in the classroom, electronically uh, synchronous, asynchronous. We, we, do, we send it over MP3s, over videos, every way you can consume the information. We try to make you 100% flexible. We're real world. We use real world faculty. We don't use textbooks. We use the books that you're using. You're, you know, we always say we're using the books your CEOs are reading, not that academics are reading, you know, so we just, we have a very simple message and people will tell me, man, you guys are like trailblazers, man. Y'all are amazing. All we have done, all we have done, is listened to our customers, and then created the vision by telling a story and addressing their pains and keeping it simple. By the way, you notice there's nothing complex. I could talk about epidemiology terminology. Actually, I probably couldn't because I'm not good at, I'm not good at buzzwords. But you got to keep it simple. Keep it simple. Think about Steve Jobs when he talked about the MP3, I mean the iPod. You know, he didn't say, you know, well this one's got 72 gigabytes of memory. He said it's a thousand songs in your pocket. So when you're sharing vision with people, you want to talk about a story, addressing their pain, keeping it simple. And then you want to find people who will champion your vision with you. When I talk about you know, who is that for you? That will help you champion your vision find those people in in a a cio's position a school system they need a a champion who's a who's an influential teacher who is an influential parent who is an influential administrator and they don't need to win everyone over they need to win the key people over and but yet they need champions now in all of this when you're leading i love this quote by jim collins Confront the brutal truth of the situation, yet at the same time, never give up hope. As leaders, when we're looking at getting perspectives, developing community, creating and sharing a vision, this is really what we are. As leaders, the main thing we do is provide hope. The main thing we do is provide hope. We, we don't hide our heads in the sand and provide hope, but as leaders. So I don't care if you're in a department and your boss is running around with his head cut off, you know, thinking that, well, we're, we're scared about what's going on in the economy or the, the downsizing. And they're all freaking out, people freaking out, or they're freaking out because of a customer. Or they're freaking out because of a technology. One thing they're looking to you to do, everyone. Is looking for somebody to stand up and lead, which says, "Yeah, this is this is a bad situation, but we're not giving up hope." And when you look at the when you look at leaders, when you look at leaders, go read the book called *Endurance*. It's is a classic story of a leader who the one thing he did, although he did a whole lot wrong, he was incompetent in so many areas constantly had a plan and in that plan he always had hope and that hope saved the lives of many people in this case literally saved the lives of many people when you are leading when you are truly leading what people are looking for out of you is to be a giver of hope so find some way to give hope and lead